Welcome to the Mass Device Fast Five MedTech News Podcast, the show that keeps you up to date on the latest breakthroughs in medical technology with the top five news stories to get your day started. Today is May 26th. I'm your host, Danielle Kirsch, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Hooley. Today, we'll talk about Medtronic's Q4 earnings and its strategic acquisition, Zoll's sleep apnea treatment devices, FDA approval, and Boston Scientific's decision to bow out of buying MITech. First, let's check in with Sean. How are you doing? This is your last day on the podcast for a week. You keep scaring me when you say last day on the podcast, but <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm excited uh, getting on a plane tonight to, to Ireland, but uh, excited to get some more news in first. Awesome. Yes, it's only a week to our listeners. I know we have a couple of people that like our dynamic. So <laughs> that being said, what's the first thing we need to know to start our day? Medtronic's stock is down as its growth projections underwhelm. So the company released its fourth quarter earnings today. Plenty, There's plenty of Medtronic news on the docket that we'll get to, but it starts with the quarterly performance that didn't seem to impress investors too much. Medtronic obviously plays a significant role in the industry, and its stock performance is always closely watched by investors and industry experts. So how did its earnings for the quarter turn out? Well, on the surface, the results look solid. Revenues of $8.5 billion, adjusted earnings per share of $1.57. Revenues were up nearly 6% in the quarter, and the company reported that it expects better than 4%, almost 4.5% revenue growth in the coming fiscal year. How does that compare to Wall Street analysts? Revenues beat the expectations on Wall Street by about a quarter of a million dollars and adjusted EPS top projections by one cent. So where Medtronic really seemed to hit a snag was its outlook for the coming year is while 4% growth sounds fine, analysts were expecting more optimism on that front. Needham analyst Mike Matson even wrote in his report that it was worse or more conservative than expected. So not, not what the analysts or investors evidently wanted to hear. With underwhelming growth projections, there might be discussions about Medtronic strategy, market challenges, and even potential areas for improvement. What are some of the executives at the company saying about these results? CEO Jeff Martha called it a strong finish to the fiscal year with fourth quarter results coming in ahead of expectations. He said accelerating revenue growth was broad-based, driven by procedure volume recovery, supply improvements, and innovative product introductions. The thing that may have alarmed investors and analysts came on the earnings call as CFO Karen Parkhill said, given that it's the start of the year, Medtronic thinks it's prudent for analysts to model at the lower end of the company's 32 billion to 32.3 billion sales outlook range. So I don't think that's solely responsible, but certainly tempering expectations from the get-go isn't going to at least breed optimism as far as I know. All right. What else should we know for the day? Well, Heartbeam won an AI-related patent for its handheld vector ECG. So it looks like another big step for the company's innovative cardiac monitoring and diagnostic platform. And what is this device? It's called the Amy Go, and it's a personal portable vector electrocardiogram or VECG system that assists patients and clinicians in assessing cardiac symptoms. It uses a reusable credit card sized vector ECG recording device and cloud-based software to deliver critical data to clinicians in real time outside of a medical setting. Its 12-lead 3D vector ECG device pairs with a smartphone app as well and a cloud-based diagnostic software system enabling the remote heart attack detection capabilities. So what does Heartbeam aim to do with this device? Well, on the marketing front, 
Heart Beam submitted Amy Go for FDA 510K clearance just last week. And in terms of concept, the company hopes to replicate the decision-making process of a physician assessing cardiac symptoms. But with Amy Go, it occurs remotely and in an automated manner. So very, very different and evidently more easy for patients and physicians alike, I'm sure. It sounds like with all the news that we've heard so far this week, the integration of AI technology in this device could potentially enhance the accuracy and interpretation of ECG readings. But also it kind of reflects the growing trend of leveraging AI and machine learning in medical devices to improve diagnostic capabilities and patient outcomes. I'm sure executives at the company are excited about this milestone. Absolutely. Uh, Founder and CEO Branislav Vajic was very excited, saying that the company believes the patent will further its effort to create a dominant IP position in the area of ambulatory VECG. So he went on to say that Heartbeam believes coupling AI with its high-resolution ambulatory ECG device will have the power to deliver unprecedented diagnostic capability for patients experiencing acute cardiac symptoms, which ultimately should lead to improved care and saved lives. Handheld medical devices, especially ECG devices, or any portable diagnostic tool really helps with health equity as well. Just makes it more accessible to people in maybe rural areas. So interesting. Moving on to another milestone from Zoll. Yep. The FDA approved Zoll's therapy for sleep apnea used with MRI. We've discussed the sleep therapy market a lot with what's gone on at Philips, but this is a different type of innovation that you know, could potentially move people away from the traditional CPAP machine, sleep apnea. For sure. That was the first thing that came to mind when I saw this come across our desk. What does Zoll's system do? It's called Remedy, and it's an implantable transvenous uh, phrenic nerve stimulation therapy. It treats adults with moderate to severe central sleep apnea, or CSA. And now with full body MRI approval, it applies to all the models of the systems and covers new patients as well as existing ones, enabling MRI imaging with the implant in place. Interesting. So how does it do that? What does it do? Well, the initial iteration of Remedy first received FDA approval in 2017, and that was an implantable device that activates automatically each night to stimulate the phrenic nerve in the chest, sending signals to the diaphragm and restoring a more normal breathing pattern. Then a couple years ago in 2021, Zoll won FDA approval for its next generation Remedy LX system that combines the enhanced functionality with a patient-friendly design, greater device longevity with longer average battery life, reduced size, and stimulation and sensing from a single lead. It also has full night respiration and device algorithm monitoring capabilities. So what kind of impact will this have on patients? Well, Colin Anderson, the president of Zoll Respicardia, said that prior to the approval, the need for ongoing MRI was a contraindication for the remedy system and a concern for patients who were uncertain about their long-term healthcare needs. So he said that MRI compatibility for remedy has a substantial positive impact for both patients and providers. Access to a wider range of imaging options is important to ensuring patients receive the best care available. Awesome. Sounds like this could optimize the healthcare experience. Now onto some news from Boston Scientific. Boston Scientific, it seems, will not be buying a majority stake in MI Tech. So nearly a year after announcing plans to buy the Korean medtech company, it appears that Boston Scientific will, while not totally walking away from MI Tech, scrap its initial plans at least. Interesting. This kind of signals a strategic move for the company, especially given that Mike Mahoney at Device Talks Boston said M&A was a big driving factor for Boston Scientific and growing Boston Scientific in the future. And I, I distinctly remember him saying that the company will bow out if they feel like it's not a strategic move. 
But it looks like that wasn't necessarily the case here. But first, what were the details of the original deal? Right. Well, Boston Scientific announced plans to acquire a 64% stake in MI Tech in June 2022, valuing the deal at approximately $230 million. So at the time, the company expected the transaction to close by the end of 2022. Obviously, this all came to a head midway through 2023. So I'm imagining it's been some battle. The companies have a longstanding relationship. Boston Scientific has distributed MI Tech self-expanding stents in Japan since 2015. And the new deal, as I mentioned, they're not totally walking away, sees Boston Scientific set to acquire a 9.9% stake in MI Tech instead. Interesting. So why did the company decide to bow out? Well, it seems the deal remained contingent on certain conditions, including regulatory approvals. So according to a spokesperson from Boston Scientific, the deal required global regulatory approvals that it was not able to obtain in some countries. So for that reason, Boston Scientific terminated the original agreement and signed a new agreement to purchase the minority stake. Interesting. So did the FTC provide any context behind this? Yeah, the FTC issued a statement as well. Interestingly, Bureau of Competition Director Holly Vidova said she was pleased that Boston Scientific and MI Tech abandoned their proposed transaction in response to investigations by FTC staff and overseas enforcement partners. The FTC will not hesitate to take action in enforcing antitrust laws to protect patients and doctors. She also thanked the entire FTC team for their excellent work on this matter. So there's only so much said there and you don't want to speculate too much, but it's obviously possible that some of those regulatory hurdles they couldn't clear for this deal related to antitrust regulations. Like I said, I don't want to speculate too much, but there was evidently an investigation that went on and it seems like you know, Boston Scientific, maybe it was less of a decision and more of a requirement that they cut the stake that they bought. But again, that's more speculation than anything else. Yeah, interesting. It kind of seems like the decision underscores the importance of careful evaluation and decision making and pursuing business opportunities within the sector. So speaking of acquisitions, what's the last thing that we should know for today? We'll go to diabetes news where Medtronic is set to acquire wearable insulin patchmaker EOFlow for about $738 million. So it's a pretty big play in the diabetes space as Medtronic looks to infiltrate the patch pump market. And it's worth noting that there was an interesting domino effect on the stock market as competitors insulate and tandem diabetes care saw their share prices fall on the back of this news. That's interesting. What are the details of the transaction? So Medtronic plans to acquire all shares belonging to EOFlow CEO and president. Those are Jesse Kim and Louis Malave. And those cost 30,000 Korean won or $22.55 per share. The company will also acquire new shares at a price of 24,359 Korean won or $18.31 a piece to fund EOFlow's operational and R&D requirements. And then it plans to undertake a public tender offer to acquire up to all outstanding shares also at a price of 30,000 Korean won. And it will hold at least a majority of the shares outstanding on a fully diluted basis before intending to acquire all outstanding shares in EOFlow and delist the company. And that brings the total consideration to 971 billion Korean won or $738 million. Medtronic expects to close the acquisition the second half of this calendar year. Wow. I mean, well, you mentioned earlier on that this kind of created a domino effect within the industry, but it sounds like this kind of highlights the growing interest in innovative solutions for diabetes management. And perhaps this is Medtronic's strategic focus for expanding its portfolio. So what does EO Flow's technology do? 
Definitely. Before getting into that, it's interesting you mentioned the strategy because, you know, only a couple of years ago, analysts were suggesting that diabetes was on the chopping block as a potential spinoff for Medtronic as maybe it wasn't part of their, you know, strategy moving forward. Obviously, this acquisition maybe says differently. But yeah, EOFlow develops the EO patch, which is a tubeless, wearable, and fully disposable insulin delivery device with proprietary microfluidic technology designed to deliver insulin with high accuracy and reliability while minimizing the risk of insulin occlusion. Right now, it's authorized for marketing in Europe, South Korea, Indonesia, and the UAE, United Arab Emirates. System has a compatible smartphone application allowing users to monitor and control the patch directly from their phone. And Medtronic wants to add it to its existing portfolio, integrating with its mealtime detection algorithm and CGM sensor. Obviously, the acquisition you know, hinges on some regulatory approvals and EO flow submitted EO patch for FDA approval earlier this year. So we'll see if it's coming to the U.S. anytime soon. The move also reflects the evolving landscape of diabetes care, where technology and innovation are playing a vital role in improving patient experiences and outcomes. It's always interesting to see this technology happen, especially when it relates to mobile devices and again, just creating this healthcare equity. And I mean, we briefly touched on this. It seems like it's been full steam ahead for Medtronic's diabetes division lately. Definitely. It's, it's been an eventful stretch. Uh, the company won FDA approval for its next generation automated insulin delivery system, the Minimed 780G with the Guardian 4 sensor. That was just last month. Shortly after that, the company resolved a warning letter from the FDA over quality practices at its diabetes facility in California. That was about two years in the making, year and a half. And it also won Health Canada licensing for the platform as well. So that on that front, full steam ahead. Interestingly, as we talked about the earnings report, diabetes sales were actually down slightly, but Medtronic still has some optimism going forward. As it said, orders for the Minimed 780G are currently already exceeding expectations. Awesome. That's all we have for today. Thank you for coming on and giving us your insights. Before we sign off, I'll just say I'll see you in a week. <laughs> yep, my pleasure. See you in a week. And always remind the listeners that they can read more on the Mass Device website where all this coverage is. Check out the show notes at massdevice.com slash podcast. Please keep connecting with us online. I'm on Twitter at Danielle underscore Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H, and the same name on LinkedIn. Where can everyone connect with you, Sean? I am on LinkedIn, Sean, S-E-A-N-W-H-O-O-L-E-Y. Happy to connect. Subscribe to the Mass Device Fast Five wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode. Join us Tuesday for your daily MedTech News Roundup. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.